McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. In today's episode, I sit down with Siobhan Kukalik, a 1995 social sciences graduated who completed her honors BA in psychology. Just a few minutes into our conversation, it's clear that Siobhan is the author of her own life, literally. Mother of three, author, motivational speaker, freelance writer, Huffington Post blogger, life coach, and believer in dreams, Siobhan has demonstrated a true resilience and inspirational spirit. After leaving McMaster, she took a postgrad diploma in media copywriting at Humber College and started her career as a copywriter, working on campaigns for large organizations, including Esso, Labatt, and SC Johnson. In the year 2000, Siobhan decided she wanted to publish a book and set out on the goal of 100 rejection letters. On January 1st, 2016, she started a weekly blog that led her to becoming a blog contributor for the Huffington Post, and she decided to turn the first year of her blog into a book called The Treasure You Seek. The Treasure You Seek is about following your heart, believing in yourself beyond reason, embracing failure, and knowing that you are enough. It includes inspirational stories about famous failures, cultural icons, world leaders, and regular folk like you and I. So I'm very pleased today to have Siobhan join us for the Unconventional Podcast. So welcome. Thank you, Karen. This is amazing. I, I really, I'm really thrilled that you invited me on. I'm very pleased that you could join us. So I'm going to ask you to kind of go way back in your mind when you were an undergraduate student at McMaster. And I'm going to ask you, were you a student that had a master plan for her career? Like you knew exactly what your, your steps were once you sort of left the, uh, the nest at McMaster and headed out into the world? Uh, well, I'm sure many would have the same answer. You know, life is what happens when you're making other plans. So I definitely had no idea in, in high school, what am I going to get into? Um, and I initially went to McMaster for social sciences and then kind of focused in and got an honors psychology degree after the four years. Um, but even at the end of that, I wasn't sure what was next for me. I loved the idea of psychology and understanding myself and understanding others and, and kind of having that bridge. Um, but I just didn't know what would happen next. So I definitely had no, um, you know, uh, clue of what would, what the future would hold and where, where I would end up. So can you briefly walk us through your first few months as a new grad and explain how your transition was as, you know, from undergrad into the world and what did you actually start to do when you graduated? For sure. Yeah. So I had the psychology degree and all my roommates and friends were going off to teacher's college or, you know, naturopathic or chiropractor or physio, different things. And I thought, what, you know, I did write the LSAT. I considered that. And I still, I do have a love of law and that's always been something I, I kind of had at the back of my mind, but I ended up uh, hearing about post-grad college programs. So I took a post-grad diploma in media copywriting at Humber, which was amazing because it was 
really a, a skill set that I could use immediately. And, and it was a postgrad, so everybody had an undergrad degree in the program. Um, I had a wonderful experience, and I was very lucky after that. I had a placement there, but then I kind of, you know, called the professor back after and said, have you heard anything? And she said, oh, I heard there's a guy looking for, for a writer at this ad agency, and I ended up, it was local where I was living. I ended up in there and got to write immediately for like Labatt and, you know, um, Brandon Toy and SC Johnson and Mead Johnson. And so I was very lucky. And that kind of started my career in the writing realm of things. I've always been a writer, but as far as getting a paycheck uh, initially, when you're a young person and you get that first job, I thought, wow, I've really made it. You know, I, I have a, I have a set pay paycheck every, every two weeks. So that's really, it was one of those things that it was just about asking questions and, you know, I've really learned on this journey, definitely that uh, action is the X factor, like just ask the questions and take action. So in your work, you would have interacted, as you mentioned, some really large companies um, for your work. So what did you learn from working with a, you know, a big Labatt, you know, and your right. stuff that you've you've taken throughout your career? Uh, you know what? It was amazing. I was very blessed to have leaders at the time where I was too, that were just, here you go, drive at the time to London and go in and get some information for a magazine we're doing. And I was able to just kind of go rogue and figure it out as you went, you know? And I think that there was that message, you know, that I got from one of my first managers, you know, fake it till you make it, go out, just start. Nobody knows really what they're doing. Everybody starts out somewhere. So you have to start and learn and grow. And, you know, a page was something on it is better than a blank page. So start with something. Mm -hmm. um, but I did learn uh, very early on too, that, you know, asking questions is a good thing, you know, finding you don't have to pretend that you always know everything, you know, the answer, because this is the whole growth mindset and learning that, you know, as I always say, then and now I never want to be the smartest person in the room. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. So I want to kind of be around people that I can learn from. And I got that from that experience for sure. And it, and it really has stayed with me to today. So you talked about learning from people, right? So um, did you have a particular mentor or role model when you were a, a young graduate, um, you know, when you were out in the business, someone who helped you to figure out what really your passion was? Right. Well, I did definitely, it was a very young environment. So like my manager was probably only a few years older than myself. And, and it was great because they really kind of gave me the confidence to know that like, you can do this. I mean, you can, you know, go out and do the research and figure it out. And as a writer, you know, the important thing is to really get into the details of something to make it very simple. It's, 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 it's easy to kind of write, you know, acronyms and a lot of kind of technical details if you're just kind of using that, but to actually write something that resonates resonates with somebody, you really have to do that background work so that you can simply say it in a few sentences. So I learned a lot that way from my mentors at the time. And um, just realizing that, you know, whether it was a CEO of a massive company or a small business owner, everybody, you know, got up the same way in the morning and, and have their meals. And so everybody is more, you know, human than anything else. And we're more alike than different. So I really didn't have that fear um, right from the get go, just kind of get to the table. I've been very lucky. Sit at the table, ask the questions and, and learn and grow. So you are able to, um, you know, pursue a career in a thing, in something that you love. So you right. love to write. And I'm going to ask right. you a couple questions about your journey with that. But sure. did you have a moment when all of a sudden you had that, like, I can't believe this. I'm actually, someone's paying me to do something that I love that I've, you've probably were writing ever since a little kid, like write stories and, you know, read and all that. So what was that moment when you kind of had that moment? Like, I can't believe someone's giving me a paycheck to do something that I absolutely love. 
And you know what, honestly, I've said to, I have three kids and they're 18, almost 16 and 13. And I've told them, I mean, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life because you'll get a paycheck for something you enjoy. Um, and my oldest, who's a photographer and a filmmaker has been, has his own business since he was 14, doing weddings and things like that. And, and I really found that was the message that I wanted my kids to know. And I always told them all the way through, there's not a set path. So sometimes society kind of tells you who you are and you start to forget, but if you kind of stick with that kind of um, little flame inside you that says, this is what I really love to do. So I did definitely have, you know, you have your doubts too. And you think, can you, you know, uh, how can I grow in this field and how should I, you know, have a parallel project that'll kind of grow me in other areas and things like that. But um, I really do think that if you focus on what you love, and even now there could be people that maybe are doing a job that they enjoy, but they're maybe not, you know, wild about, but maybe there's another way even in that, even at the job that they're at, maybe there's a different department they can look into or kind of um, community groups or service groups within the organization where they can get involved with and use that skill set. Because I think you get into a flow when you're doing something for so long that you kind of forget to go to, mm -hmm. you know, answer the door or, or, or get some food. That's when you really know, wow, I'm doing something that's my gift. And if you can find your gift and give it away, then that's kind of the purpose of life, I think. So I definitely think I was lucky that way to, to get involved at, a, at an early stage. I did also, it did allow me to, to freelance for many years when I had my three kids. So that was a real value add to this career because it allowed me to, to balance both of those things. So tell us about your decision in 2000 to write a book, which then led you to your blog and then um, the book that you published, The Treasure You Seek. And I will throw in maybe a little of your aspiration to be like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Way, which, right, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I could never, you know, Dr. Seuss is at the very top of the mountain, but uh, his journey helped me with my goals. So in the year 2000, I decided I wanted to publish a book and I made a goal of 100 rejection letters because Dr. Seuss got 43 for his first story and I thought wow here's someone who has many 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 titles and he got 43 rejections for his first book so that really flipped the you know the script for me in the sense that every this was back when you had to send the paper manuscript for the self-addressed stamped envelope no you know emails and things like that so I every time I got a rejection letter it was like a yellow brick on my yellow brick road to Oz it was you know not a pity party oh somebody else didn't want what I wrote but it was a step towards my goal um, so that was really valuable for me in kind of you know embracing failure and growing from it and, and learning from it so I made the goal of 100 rejections I ended up getting 32 for various children's book manuscripts and then in the year 2016 I just thought I'm just going to start a blog. January 1st, 2016, got up in the morning and I thought I'll get up 40 minutes before um, I have to actually drive the kids to school because they weren't close enough to walk at the time. 40 minutes, stare at a blank page, no topic in mind, write something that inspires me, spell check, submit, run out the door. So I did this um, and four months into it, I got picked up as a contributor for Huffington Post, which again, had I waited and asked them if I could write something versus showing them four months worth of a blog, that made it easier for them to say, sure, you know, you can be part of it. Um, and then at the end of 2016, I put the full year of the blog into a manuscript, signed a contract. And by June, 2017, I, you know, I was at Indigo and Amazon. And I remember when, when um, the contact called and said, you know, you could, you're, you're published. And I said, okay, I, I'll phone the local to go and see if I can do a book signing. And I phoned and I said, can I do a book signing? She said, oh, we're looking at November now on Saturdays. This was June. And I said, okay, well, what about weeknights? And she said, well, sure. And I said, well, what about next week? And she said, sure. So I just 
booked it in, gotten the paper, got people to show up. And again, it's just about taking action. You know, do, don't worry about knowing all the answers and all the questions, just kind of go for it. So that really, and, and the book is, you know, about following your heart. It's all little 250 word blogs. So they're like little sips of coffee yeah. to start your day. One woman where I spoke at her work, they use it for their sales meetings every Monday morning to, to inspire people because famous failures, which I wrote about a lot in the book, I find so inspiring because we see them at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and to be able to see, oh, wow, this didn't work out for them. This door closed for them. So that, that was really kind of fueling my soul during the journey too. As I wrote the blogs, I was inspiring myself. And then in the end, I think the book hopefully helps to inspire others. So it's been it's been quite the journey and, and it led me to speak at schools and corporations and share that journey and the grit and you know the people I wrote about everyone from you know Anderson Cooper to Oprah to Terry Fox to local people in my community so it's it's been a real treasure for myself as well. So you do have a full-time job a day job correct? I do. So well, I was freelancing for many years. And then yeah. just recently, actually, just eight, eight weeks before COVID closed the world, I um, became communications officer at Canadian Mental Health Association, Peel Dufferin. And so uh, I was able to join that team, uh, which was, again, new for me, because I've been freelancing for many years. And I just, uh, mental health is so, you know, I just think it's such an important cause. And I love the team. And it was so wonderful. So I got eight weeks on site, and then virtually since then. So it's been it's been a great experience. Um, and I actually, you know, first uh, kind of corporate job after many years of freelancing, and I was given Rookie of the Year uh, at, at the at the uh, congratulations. Thank you. So that was a real, that was a massive. You know, I felt so honored because the bench is very deep with lots of talent there, so it was great. So how do you, you know, if if you're a young person and you have, um, I always find uh, kids coming out of school today are very different than when I graduated. Oftentimes they have a, an idea. I like they have the entrepreneurial spirit within them. And so they'll have a day job, but then they have this passion project on the side. So as someone who is living that, right? Writing your passion, you've had great success. Now you're you're back in the corporate world, nonprofit working. How do you balance that? Like any advice you'd give someone when they're trying to to balance the two worlds plus, you know, life <laughs> life and balancing and like like I said I'm a mom of three kids so I was always mm-hmm. on school council and giving deputations at the city or the school board and very involved I would say you know you can find that that inspiration within what you're doing so for myself as a trained copywriter I knew in my heart that I didn't want to be writing about drywall or ketchup or things like that and for me everybody to each his own but for me I wanted something that really inspired me so once I found that crossroads of you know mental health is the message and I'm able to write about it it just became, um, you know, not even a decision to make. I thought I would love to be part of this. And so I think that if they keep that kind of close to their heart, where whatever it is they love to do, if they can match it in other opportunities that come up, it might not be, let's say, you know, running a business, making a certain software, but maybe they can be doing that for a company they really believe in and kind of balance both lanes. Um, but definitely uh, start with that thing that lights your fire. If you won the lottery, what would you do anyway? If you, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning, no matter what. Um, And that's a great place to start. So I'm going to go back to your book for a second. So what of the short little blogs, um, what's the best lesson that you wrote about that you, you, that you can share with people? Like, is there some, you know, you mentioned a couple of famous people. Is it, you know, is it the famous person lesson? Is it someone who don't know? Like what would you say would be like sort of the best lesson out of your book? 
Right. Well, one of them is actually not one of the famous people, but it's another Mac graduate, actually. So somebody that I knew from Mac, Keegan Johnson, um, he and his wife, Tanya, had a child with Prader-Willi syndrome. Uh, and once he was diagnosed, they were kind of told, well, you know, it's it's not cancer. It's not well known. You, you know, you can't really raise any money. And they decided, well, we'll try. So they got out their list of addresses from their wedding, had a walk, hoping to raise 15000 raised fifty, And since then, they've raised $5 million. You know, one of their last galas, Bill Clinton was the guest speaker. They were invited to the White House by Michelle Obama um, for, for a contest that they won. And they, to me, are just the epitome of resilience and, you know, really deciding, you know, society says this is possible or that's possible, but I'm going to decide what's possible for me. And I just think, you know, I helped them at the time get some media and it was just so wonderful. Like there was every media station was in the driveway interviewing them about going to the White House and to think that they were told, well, don't even try because you're not going to be able to raise money. Um, and now they're doing amazing things. Uh, their son is is doing a fitness uh, program that he's helping teach, and it's just wonderful. So I think we can all learn from that lesson of, you know, be resilient, never give up, and don't let others define for you what you can do with your life because you can do anything. So talking about resiliency leads right into this past year, year and a bit. Like I still right. can't believe to say it's like, it, it, like, well, first of all, every day is like Groundhog Day right now. <laughs> when was that when was that anyways um, <laughs> so you know i don't think anyone really expected that we would still be sitting here a year from um march middle of march when we were all told to head home in the pandemic so what have you learned about yourself from this experience in the past year um, again, it's that resiliency. I definitely, you know, turned up the volume on self-care when this happened. So I, I walk twice a day, um, you know, listen to podcasts that inspire me, read books, things like that. It really showed me that um, I was very busy as a mom of three and working. But in the end, you know, the one resource that that's not renewable is time. And we were so rushed before. And of course, we missed the, you know, the activities for kids and the traveling and and meeting with friends. But a lot of times we didn't have that time to just sit and say, you know, how am I feeling? What are my emotions like? And what do I want to do next? And, and what do I really want to do with my day and my week and my life? So I think the pandemic really showed me that, you know, we have to take time to really kind of look inside and not always be rushing from morning to night and here and there. And even when you think of um, commuting, like who would have thought a year and so ago that the entire world could work from home? I mean, there's a lot of frontline workers that we're blessed to have doing mm -hmm. the, the jobs that they're doing for us, which is which is we couldn't do without. But for those that commuted to an office, let's say in a big city and had to be on the road, maybe for three hours a day, we got that time back. And, and that time now, what are we doing with that time? Are we are we using it to fill our cup or to kind of or is our cup empty? So that was a big lesson for me. I was talking to someone about a week ago and she, I think her commute into Toronto every day was probably hour and a half in hour and a half out. So wow. she said about the pandemic, she got to know her kids, like right. teenagers, you know, she got to know the kids and actually uh, they're pretty cool people. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. They don't mind hanging out with her. So what have you learned from your children being home? Well, listen, I mean, of course, you know, three kids, everybody on Wi-Fi, they did do the hybrid schooling when it was open, but now, of course, they're back to full online. Um, and it really did show me that, you know, as much as I'm pulling my hair out sometimes and, and just thinking, you know, nobody's eating anything and there's there's no dishes in the cupboard because there's dishes in everybody's room and whatever else comes with that. I have learned that they're resilient as well. They're thoughtful. They're, they're I haven't had anything to do with any schoolwork, so they're doing whatever they have to do and getting it done. Um, and my oldest 
has just chosen his postgrad. He's going to get into film and television at Sheridan. And I, I realized that they're kind of the roots and wings. Like I, I had all these years of, you know, I, one of the things I wrote in my book is we used to drive to school every day and I would start these sentences and they would end it. So believe in yourself, try your best, choose your friends wisely. And they would say this on the way to school. And now, of course, at the time, it was such a wild, busy time. And I realize now how amazing it was that we had that time together. And this has kind of brought us full circle back to that time together. So although they're teenagers now, and, you know, obviously, you know, don't have as much time for mom, um, I think it's really shown me that they are growing into these whole beings that are kind of running their own lives and, and dreaming their own dreams. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what'll happen next. So the Huffington Post in Canada is no longer, is that correct? Yes. So I was initially doing the online Huffington Post. I was actually um, contributing to the American one. And then now I actually contribute to Ariana Huffington started Thrive Global. So that's the one that I contribute to now. Um, And actually my son started doing the youth uh, articles on there as well. So it's just a great venue to kind of share things that you're learning and and things about society and things like that. So I'm doing that, that now online as well. So does that you know, does that bring you joy? Is it, does it stress you out to come up with new, you know, like to think that, you know, new, new concepts or whatever, just, just curious about, you know, professional bloggers. Cause in many ways you're a professional blogger. Right. For sure. Yeah. And you know what? I love every Sunday. I kind of decide what am I going to write about this week? And I'll do a little, cause on my own personal blog, like at SiobhanKuklik.com, I blog every Monday morning. And it's just something like, I kind of take pieces of something in a podcast and something in a book I'm reading and something that happened with my kids or whatever whatever it is and put it together into just something short and just to kind of share those messages that things that, you know, you hear at a cocktail party and say, Oh, I've got to try that. Or, or, or I'd never heard about that before so that people can kind of get that message and say, Oh, wow, I, I'm going to kind of maybe try to fold that into my life and, and use that. So it, it really, I, if you said to me right now, hang up the you know podcast and go and write something and get back to me, I can do it very quickly because I, I just love doing it. So what would be one piece of advice you wish you knew when you first graduated from Mac? You know, I wish I knew that you have all you need, because I think when you're younger, you're thinking I have to get these courses or once I graduated, once I get my degree and it's always the next thing, maybe I should take a postgrad, maybe I should do something else. And all that is excellent. And you need to grow your brain and learn on the journey. But whatever it is you want to do, you you have everything you need right now. Like send the email, make the phone call, ask the neighbor, you know, reach out in, you know, virtual groups that you have and say, I'm thinking about X, Y, Z. Does anybody here have any contacts? And when I spoke at schools, I used to always tell the the kids, you know, if you have an interest in something, find somebody in, you know, the community that does that and send them an email. I said, I guarantee you if a, a CEO or a president gets an email from a student or anybody, an adult too, saying, I'd love to know about XYZ, they would nine times out of 10, they'll answer. And you'll just kind of get some information with a specific ask, you know, not saying, can you be my mentor for life? But can, you know, do you know how I could learn more about X and just kind of get a little bit of nugget from that person that what they've learned on the journey. So I do wish that I realized at a younger age, you have all you need, you're going to fall down, you're going to get no's, it takes 100 no's to get a yes. And if you just kind of open your day with that in mind, anything's possible. So don't wait for the answers to the questions or somebody to, you know, you're, you're out looking for opportunity knocks, and you're out looking for four leaf clover. So just kind of be there in the moment and, and take action. So what's next for Siobhan? Where do you see yourself professionally in five years? You know what, I, like I said, I love 
the the realm of mental health. I just think it's so important, especially now more than ever. Um, but I've always had this kind of community activism piece at heart as well. Uh, you know, I was always on school council with the kids and making deputations. And so I, I could see myself somehow getting involved. And I don't know what that entails. I, I think, um, uh, you know, when I look at what's happening right now with the pandemic and, and all the dots that are trying to be connected, I look at groups like, you know, Vaccine Hunters Canada, the group of volunteers mm. that are just getting people to where they need to go right now. And I think, wow, that inspires me. So that kind of community activism, I think, is something that I might consider um, in the future. I don't know what it would look like, but uh, whether it's politics or, or, or something, you know, kind of rallying the troops in, in the community, I can see myself doing something in that realm. So one of my favorite parts of our unconventional podcast is sort of our rapid fire questions at the end where I, you learn a lot about a person. So I'm going to start <laughs> off with your, what's your favorite memory of McMaster? Interesting. Uh, my favorite memory of McMaster, uh, myself and my roommates, we were all big cheerleaders for the uh, men's basketball team. And we were at every game and we cheered. And I remember at one point there was some type of a competition with Subway and the, the biggest cheerleaders of the game would win a 10 foot sub on this plank and we won it. And I mean, we, we couldn't finish it at the game. At the end, we're giving away pieces of the sub because there was so much, but that was a great memory. And, you know, before cell phones, so we don't have a picture, but it was a great memory. Oh, I've never, now that's a very unique memory. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that one before. So what's your best COVID purchase? You know what? A uh, comfortable pair of shoes to walk with, because I find I've walked 15 minutes in the morning and at night since March 13th, 2020, which has been wonderful. I've always been a walker, but never that consistently. And I just think there's nothing like your feet are comfortable. You know, you don't need much more than just your legs to walk down the street if you're you know, lucky to be able to do that. And I just think walking in a, in a comfortable pair of shoes has been a, a real uh, game changer. So what book are you reading now and what podcast is your favorite podcast right now? Well, I, I have no shelf control. I have to say I have just books every, I love my books. I have so many books. Um, you know, I just recently read Man's Search for Meaning, Shantaram, Sapiens. I'm reading Think Again, uh, The Art of Memoir and Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And then I've got um, The Overstory and American Dirt and The Sum of Us and Atomic Habits on my bedside table. So I just am books, a book, you know, lover. Um, and then podcasts, I really love the Tim Ferriss uh, show. I've been listening to that for since 2017, I think. And he just dissects excellence with leaders and, you know, politicians and athletes and, and uh, angel investors. And it's just so interesting to hear what people that have been very successful at something eat for breakfast and what they think about life and philosophy. So that's been, it's like a fly on the wall and an elevator of a great conversation. So I really enjoy that podcast. Which living person do you most admire? I would have to just mention too. So my mom is someone who I admire deeply. She left Ireland at 18, not knowing anything about anything outside her village and went to England to become a nurse. She became a midwife in Scotland. She delivered hundreds of babies in homes with no machinery or phones or anything. And she was a nurse for 40 years. And actually just today, she got a phone call from her oncologist that five years after being diagnosed for the second time with colon cancer, she's cancer free today. So oh, she's a real, thank you so much. She's a real inspiration. And then somebody who's not in my community, who I'd love to know, but Barack Obama, I 
just in, admire him so much because I look at him as someone that was a community organizer, having you know meetings in the basement of a church with a handful of people before he became president. And the fact that in the year 2000, he couldn't get a ticket to the Democratic convention. 2004, he's the keynote speaker. 2008, he's the president. So I love the idea of somebody like him and his message and his demeanor. And, and uh, um, I've read his books. And so he's a real inspiration for me as well. And if I had to ask you to describe what's your idea of perfect happiness, what would your answer be? I would say perfect happiness is a chocolate croissant, a hot tea, a good book, and a conversation that, you know, um, makes my mind think outside the box. I, I love the idea of of being challenged with thoughts for someone to say they believe something opposite to me and for me to say, Oh, wow, tell me why you think that. And I'd love to lead the conversation, you know, with a new opinion because of what the conversation brought. So to me, you know, again, we can't see, see people face to face, but just even virtually having those conversations is, is amazing. That's true happiness for me. And my last question for you this afternoon, one song that best describes your time at McMaster. You know what? Uh, it's funny because at the time we were there, the pipeline and the John and the rat, that was the names of the pubs and, yep. and the places on, on campus. Um, the songs that were playing were like finally and brown eyed girl and 500 miles. And they were the songs there, but I'd say the song lyric wise that makes me think of my journey is um, what a wonderful world. Cause I think, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that I was able to go somewhere, you know, grow my brain with friends that I knew and new friends that I met in a beautiful campus, and I learned so much there both in content in psychology and also as a as a person as a human and kind of that uh, there's so much the world has to offer I think the lyrics to what a wonderful world really represent um, that journey and the journey through to today and I'm, I'm blessed to be a Mac alum alumni and I'm, I'm thrilled that it was part of my journey well that's a lovely way to end so Siobhan thank you so much for joining us on our end conventional podcast and I would encourage everyone to go out and find a copy of her book a treasure you seek we all could use a little inspiration these days thank you to be inspired and and to dream and and to you know for all of us to reach our dreams and your book certainly does that thank you so much thanks for having me and you know remember everyone believe in yourself beyond reason anything's possible and the treasure you seek might be in your own backyard so go to look for it Thank you.